Greetings from the brethren in the valley. I had to reflect. I'm not sure how it worked out, but I think the last year I wasn't here at all on the calendar, and it was uh, I was busy, and I didn't think about it for a good while, but I did notice later. <laughs> it's good to be here with you. I invite you to open your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 9. <clears throat> Draw a few thoughts here from Jeremiah chapter 9. Verse 23 and 24 read as follows. Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might, let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. We are occupied with many things, and yet the scriptures draw us back time and time again to, to reflect on God, to see him who, uh, for who he is. And there is nothing greater, no greater glory to us as God's creation than to know our creator to understand him, to know him. And um, that is something that comes as we seek his face and as we gather together to worship, as we live day to day reflecting on his mercies to us. Most of you here this morning brought your Bible with you, I assume. The word of God. We want to look at that a little bit this morning, but I had to think, you know, the importance that sometimes can get lost in the harried pace of of life. We have the Word of God, but in Hebrews chapter 4, the writer says this, in verse 2, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. What effect does the word of God have in your life this morning, in my life? It's been said that the word of God without faith is like lightning to the blind and like thunder to the deaf. It does not have an impact like it does on those of us that see that bright flash. We hear that impact. May our lives be exercising our faith as we hear the word of God today and every day. was pondering how to introduce the message this morning. I'm not, <clears throat> I would begin with just a few thoughts, perhaps want to move into thinking about the impact, the power, the purity of God's word to us 
But in thinking about that, we are used to living in a land of, of blessing, of freedom, and we uh, observe things happen around us. So we don't think much in terms of, of living in a nation or a country that has a king. Now, recently, our minds perhaps were intrigued with some of the family issues in the United Kingdom hierarchy. What does it mean to have a king? What is the impact of that? <clears throat> we, I trust, treasure our relationship with our King Jesus. But in relating to our Lord and Savior, he is one that is Lord. And he desires to be not only our Savior, but he, need, he desires to meet our every need. One of the things we think about when you have a king is that where there is a king, there is a kingdom. Where there is a kingdom, there is law. Many of us, we tend to, when we hear the word law, we start to question or we listen carefully. But I'm glad this morning that the law of the Lord is perfect and that God's desire and intent and plan for fallen man is one that we cannot appreciate too much. We cannot fully comprehend all he has done for fallen man. The law, the word of God. One place the scriptures talk about to take the spirit, sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The sword of the spirit. Christ taught regarding the word that the seed is the word of God. One thing we do realize that when we have a kingdom and you have a king and you have a kingdom and you have law and you have those that are a part of that citizenship, that country, there is a community. There, is, there are those there living together. And when we think of the kingdom of God, <clears throat> we are reminded that in that kingdom, in the church, the law of the Lord, its effect upon our lives is seen in how we relate and rejoice and share and interact in the life of the brotherhood between you and I, whom we call brother and sister toward those who know not the Lord. What is the law that is operating in our lives? 
Hebrews chapter 11. If you're still there in Hebrews, you're not far from it. But Hebrews chapter 11. The end of the chapter says, And these all, having obtained a good report, through faith received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. In a sense, we could say that chapter 11 of Hebrews was never finished. Because the kingdom of God, God is wanting to work in your life and mine, even today, until Christ returns. What is the effect of the word of God in our lives? When we think of the kingdom of God, we think of the kingdom of light. We think of the kingdom of illumination. We think of the opposite of obscurity, of nightfall, of darkness. And we are grateful, so grateful, those of us that enjoy the blessing of sight for light. Because it casts out darkness. It pushes it back. It reveals that which is around us. Jesus said, I am the light to the world. That should be special. Something we treasure, each one. Turn to Matthew chapter 10. Now, some of these scriptures we'll be looking at here this morning use the word preach, and uh, perhaps many times, many situations, we may not, each one, find ourselves comfortable considering considering ourselves preachers, yet I believe God has given each one of us a task to do. But here in verse 7 of chapter 10, Jesus said, I'll begin in... um, Let's begin in verse 5. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans. Enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. They were sent to preach. But what did they preach? Which Bible did they use? They didn't have it, did they? They didn't have the New Testament record that we have. But as you go, preach. Go over to Acts chapter 5. I think I'll begin there in about verse 18. <clears throat> Perhaps 17. Here we have the, the record of some of the, apostles, the disciples being put in prison, in the common prison there. It says in verse 17, Then the high priest rose up, and all they that were with him, which were the 
which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation, and, then laid, and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go, stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. What are the words of this life? Those early disciples had a message. They didn't have the Bible as we know it, but they had a message. And I think sometimes today we can find ourselves or others that have the Bible but have no message. The power of God is not in effect in their heart and life. There is an emptiness that is not filled. How would you feel that the angel of the Lord, not being content with the situation, would let you out of prison and send you to go? stand basically in the point of attention in the temple. Speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. We sing that song, Wonderful Words of Life, don't we? Wonderful Words of Life. Tell them over again to me. Let me more of their beauty see. Where is the beauty in those words? It's not of us on that, following that lesson in humility this morning. The beauty of those words is not in my life or yours. It's the hand of God. <clears throat> For the word of God to... accomplish that which he has sent forth his word for for its power for its purity to be displayed his word must get into our hearts and it must grip us we must find in him our refuge In Romans chapter 1, verse 20. I want to look at verse 20. I'm going to begin reading in verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful but became vain in their imaginations and in their foolish heart, and their foolish heart was darkened. 
the power of the word of God, the purity of the word of God works where it is heard and mixed with faith. It bears fruit to his glory and to our blessing when it is received in faith. What happens when the word of God gets into our hearts? Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. Jesus here had a strong message for them. He says, O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. In the kingdom of God, the word of God is first place. Is in command. It is giving direction. It is ministering to the needs of that citizenship. And it is such a blessing to us today. You know, it seems like you can. it doesn't matter where you go throughout the world, there are there is within man that, that desire to seek his creator, that desire to find something to fill that void, that emptiness that is experienced in, one, in one's heart. And um, likely you have read or been to places where you've seen these indigenous groups or Indians and they had their their efforts or their exercise of, of knowing or worshiping the great spirit, worshiping a God who they really didn't know that well, who they couldn't really comprehend. And many have, in that setting, sought him in earnest, I was intrigued with a, a bit of the, the account of the story of, in South America there in Peru, the Incas. One of their great leaders, Pachacutec, there was, it was highly known and regarded as a tremendous leader in that kingdom, so to speak. And yet he was seeking to find a God that he didn't know. It is said that he even had written prayers to this God he didn't know and understand. He had studied there from their great altitude and, and apparently the, their ability to observe the heavens. And he had come to some conclusions that even though many worship the sun, he says, he said, the sun is not God. It does what it's told to do. It's set there in motion. It does what it is made to do. It is not the creator who would have power beyond. And that's one of the things that we see in, in the word of God as it portrays to us the almighty one who has infinite power, infinite understanding is from everlasting to everlasting. 
Psalm 19, the first four verses, remind us just a little bit of what's in focus here. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is going out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun. The heavens about us declare the grandeur of our creator. It speaks a language here. It says, their line is going out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. As we look at the creation around us, we are made to remember and think that, yes, there is a God. There is one who has set all this in motion. He has revealed himself to us. I want to go back to the aspect of God's word being true. You know, in, even in the nation of which we reside here, there are many who argue and quibble over the veracity of God's word. But we are taught in the scriptures that his word is truth. In it, from it, we find the expression of God not only written in word form, but his thoughts, his character, his ideas. When we think about our role as a part of that kingdom, I had to think about the Gospel of John. We want to look at 1 John in a moment here, but turn with me to John 17. And notice the words that are so weighty in this prayer. Sometimes we hear it referred to as a high priestly prayer. The Bible doesn't call it that, but Jesus is reviewing in some detail some of the things he covered in the previous three chapters as he was teaching the disciples there. He says in verse 15, I'll begin, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. The gospel writers, John uses the word logos in describing the Lord, our Savior, who came to earth. And here, this word, logos, is truth. But then notice what he says in verse 18, the very key component of our thoughts this morning. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. 
What is the purpose of that? Let's read some of the first part of 1 John. I want you to notice here the description as he introduces in the Gospel of John, as he introduces Jesus as the Logos of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. These words here with capital W are the Logos I'm talking about. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. That same, the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word and the Logos was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me, and of his fullness have all we received grace for grace. When you begin to to behold, to contemplate the aspect of the fullness of the word, of the logos of God. And he says, and of his fullness have all we received and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. The Logos of God. Jesus was his earthly name. But he was the representation, the expression of God, accomplishing the will of God. And yet he was from eternity past, as in our finite minds can only describe it. We see him here. As he was before he came. And then John. Describes his coming. The creator came. And he brought life. And the life was the light of men. When we know the Lord, it's almost painful to read verse 11, isn't it? 
He came into his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Those that come to him, he empowers, he indwells, he equips. And then he said, Father, as you have sent me, so send I them. Do you feel sent this morning? Last year, I met a brother I hadn't met before, and in our conversation, he was sharing something that occurred there in his life and setting, working in an outreach in the west part of the country. He said he had a tire shop there, and this man had come into their tire shop a few times, and he was a rough-looking man. Terrible language, very bad language. And after a few times coming, it seemed like he modified his behavior a little bit and, and not expressing himself in such an undesirable way. But this man had a welding business. And the owner of the tire shop had a job he needed done, so he hired this man to come to his house and do a welding job. The day came for that job to be done. The welder guy showed up at his house. And he told this brother, he says, I'm sorry, but it's not going to work for me to do it today. And the brother told him, he said, that's all right. It won't work for us as well. Our son was killed yesterday in an accident. And he said that man just started walking in circles. Just walking in circles. And pretty soon he came back and he said, I don't talk about this much, but he said, growing up my mom and dad didn't get along. They fought and I left. They separated. And he said, just some time ago, I moved back in with my dad. His dad lived there close. <clears throat> and he said, two weeks after I got home, or after I moved back in with my dad, I went out the back door one morning. He said, my dad was there hanging in a tree. He went on to, to recount the difficulties it brought in his life. Not sure how the brother invited him to the funeral activities and not sure how all that worked out. <clears throat> Sometime later he came back to, to do some welding work and his brother told one of the children, he said, go get, go get one of those extra Bibles and put on his seat in his van his work vehicle. 
when he came back, he got done with his job, and he went to get in his vehicle, and he found that Bible on his seat. He said to that brother, he said, did you put that there? He says, no, I had someone put it there. Picked the Bible up, and he held it. And then he said, I've never had one of these. 57 years old. Never had a Bible of his own. Whose Bible was he reading? Is my life a proper interpretation of this word? I think every one of us here this morning would have to bow our heads and say no. Apart from the grace of God, we're unworthy. <laughs> Songwriter wrote, In thy life, thy law appears, revealed in living characters. May those characters be characters of life. I don't think if you'd ask around here in South Boston if anyone has seen Jesus, they would probably say no, unless they were on drugs, perhaps, I don't know. But I trust they've seen him in you. His humility, his surrender to the will of the Father. You know, I think so many times we talk about the difficulties in life, the challenges in church, and almost all of them just melt away when we see the logos of God. When we sense truly what he has done for us. When we sense truly what he wants to do, accomplishing his kingdom here and now, as we as brothers and sisters simply rejoice in his goodness, his mercy, his salvation. Sometimes we look around us and we ask, well, how do you know if so-and-so is truly a Christian? Am I resting, trusting, waiting, surrendered to the logos of God?
Some time ago, I was asked to share a message on <clears throat> child training, and I wasn't sure quite where to go with that, but as I pondered that and as I did that, I had to reflect on one of the greatest challenges, you know, as we are not perfect people, neither are any of us perfect parents. But I had to think about, in our home setting there, back in the day I was in the public school, and counting up, one day I was at the clinic and I ran into one of my classmates from first, second grade. There was a lot of us Mennonite children there in that elementary school. Probably 20-some out of 30 in that grade. And I had to reflect of all those in that grade. The other, some of the other grades weren't, hadn't fared so well, but in that grade in particular, there were only three or four that had left their heritage as far as had not given place to the gospel of Christ, had left the church. Out of all those, the others that I could make a list of were either in where they were born and raised, happy in their setting, or in a similar Anabaptist congregation. And I had to ask myself the question, what made that happen? What made that happen? We would covet to have those kind of numbers in our Christian day school today. Would we not? And I had to reflect on, and I don't have the answer, but I had to think about this, brothers and sisters, that so many times, whether it's as individuals or parents or brotherhoods even, sometimes we can fall back and, and trust in our own abilities and our own endeavors, our own efforts, when we, like the children of Israel, need to step back and see God work. We need to see that it, without any doubt that it is He that works on our behalf. And I think for us sometimes, you know, as in the harried pace of life, we look and we, we step up to the plate and we seek to carry through. And yet, have we always given our younger generation the ability to see us crying out to God, to rest in Him? To not have it done our way, but more importantly, that we want it done God's way. Because we can look back, we can look around us today and we can see the difficulties that come.
Don't have a lot of time left, but I feel I should share this yet. A couple of months ago, I was going to some meetings. I was going to miss my nephew's wedding. I had talked to him about it. It was a day that he was looking forward to. A joyful time. My wife was able to be there. But that that evening, is before I didn't have cell service, I called another nephew. I called my nephew's brother. And... Actually, I tried to call him, and he called me back. And he was telling me about his difficulties. My heart went out so much. God's way is the way everlasting. This other nephew had pretty much taken his own way, him and his wife, when they got married. And here he was going to be going to his brother's wedding. While his wife in the previous months had filed for divorce. He hadn't seen his children in two months. He later told me, she says, Uncle Ellis, I cried all the way to church. He admits his errors, and yet he's in a very difficult situation. The word of God, the expression of God, the logos of God. May we lose the fear to humbly hold him up as the only begotten son of the almighty that wants to bless and preserve and show mercy says here, and of his fullness have all we received in grace for grace. When we go stand in the temple, what do we speak? When we go to work, what do we say? Whose message are we bearing? Thy logos, thy word is truth, thy logos is Atletia.
Let's turn to 1 John 2. One of the elements, we talked about humility here this morning in Sunday school, but these verses bring out something very, very clear and simple to us. God is love. And we as his people must be people of love. Verse 7, brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light, and hateth his brother, is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. I want to leave you here with the, the challenge and the blessing that God is faithful. The victory is ours, brothers and sisters. We think of the challenges around us, and yet when we rest in, in God, when we you know, it's easy for us to recount or hear others talk about these impossible situations. But God is able for us. We live in a world that presents many, many, many temptations. And, you know, we, we talk about the challenges of technology and so forth. But as, as I heard one brother say it, he says, you know, the sin is not in that or that or that. The sin is here. And when we look around us and we understand and remember that Jesus, the Logos of God, has expressed, taught, provided that perfect Lamb of God for our sacrifice, and he has now sent us to carry on the work of his kingdom until he returns. Are we looking through the clarity of his vision? The mind of Christ, the, the eyes of God, as we look around us and we see the needs, I trust that it, it brings us to deep thought, to tears when we 
have compassion on those that are without Christ. Those that are in the midst of deep trouble. We live in a world who pick and choose the level of moral law they want to uphold. And yet I'm glad this morning that in Christ we are live to live by a higher standard. Above that law, a spiritual law. And by that I mean, just in a simple illustration, some of the most painful things we see in society today is man's inability to control his self, his lusts, his desires. And as we look around us and we see all the immodesty and the, the people that are open to entertaining and developing carnal relationships, but when we see them through the eyes of Christ, we see them as the creation of God with a purpose, with a plan that he has for them, and that they are not to be defrauded, to be abused, to be mistreated on the basis of carnal sin. But we see in them the capacity, the, the potential that God sets forth in his word for each one of us, that we see in them the capacity for the gospel to change them, the gospel to, to fill them with all the fullness of him. I know that's a big challenge. Because I have to keep reminding myself, but let's not forget it. He has called us into his light. May we so know him that it very clearly delineates whose we are. Shall we have a verse of song?